Well, I know today's a, a busy time for a lot of you, I'm sure, getting ready for Thanksgiving. But uh, tomorrow is the day we celebrate for Thanksgiving. The first Thanksgiving Day was celebrated way back <laughs> after in the, in the fall of 1621. And it was celebrated between the Indians and the pilgrims. They were so grateful that they made it through the winter. Some of them had passed on and some were still living. But they took time to thank the Indians and thank God that they had this bountiful harvest after such a hard, hard winter. And unfortunately, there's been a lot of controversy over Thanksgiving Day. And sad to say, it's not celebrated as much as it used to be. But as a Christian, we set aside that time in order to have a day to thank God for all of his provisions. Thank God for what he's done for us throughout the year. And thank God for what he's going to do for us and all the provisions he's made for us through Jesus Christ. It's amazing what we have since Jesus Christ came and the privileges that we have. On thinking about Thanksgiving Day, my mind went back to David in the scriptures. And in Acts 13, we find that Paul was preaching about the history of Israel. And he was telling how God had removed King Saul from being king, took his anointing off of him, and he was raising up David, replacing him with David. So we're going to read verse 22. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. And that's what I'm going to be talking about tonight. <laughs> What made David a man after God's own heart? How did he become that? Why did God say that about him? And could it be that he would say that about us? And that would be our goal, right? That when we stand before the Lord, that he's pleased with us, says, well done. Anyway, um, he had... So the Lord had decided he was going to remove King Saul, who had sinned and really made a mockery of the kingdom. And then he raised up David, and he said, okay, this man will do all my will. So that's one of the keys that, that we want to look at is that David became a man after God's own heart because whatever God asked him to do, he did it. And so that's the example we would want to follow. So I'm going to kind of highlight the life of David. We're going to try to go through it 
fairly quick because there's a lot in this in the Bible about David. You should really take it and study it if you haven't already. But we're going to start off as David as a young boy. And he was the youngest of eight boys. So you know that he's the very end. He's the last. He spent most of his time in the fields just taking care of his father's sheep. So he was out there alone with the sheep. But as a young boy, God picked him to be the replacement for King Saul. And we want to read um, 1 Samuel 16 and then the first verse. And now the Lord is talking to Samuel the prophet. And he says, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him? from reigning over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you (laughs) to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. So Samuel the prophet, one of his duties was to anoint whoever was supposed to be king. And he had already anointed Saul. But then he was mourning because he loved Saul, but God has now rejected him. And so God just is pretty stern with him. He says, how long are you going to keep mourning? How long are you going to keep, keep being sad over this? I have found somebody else I want. You go and anoint him. So he's, has, he's very willing and obedient. And so he takes off for Bethlehem. And uh, he goes and in verse 7, this is the first, he looked at the firstborn son. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so God was saying, I see something different here. And, you know, sometimes we're so concerned about how we look. A lot of people are going to think about how I look. And... We'll spend hours preparing ourselves and fixing ourselves up. (laughs) But how much time have we spent with the Lord? If we don't build that relationship with God, spend time with him, then we won't learn how to hear his voice. Samuel must have spent a lot of time listening. He knew exactly what the Lord said to him. And he was obedient. So now uh, he, the Lord is um, telling him, no, this isn't the one. So he's, Jesse's got eight sons. Well, David's out in the field, so he doesn't count. But we've got seven men, seven boys here that are all coming before Samuel. And everyone, the 
Lord just keeps saying, no, that's not the one. No, that's not the one. And then we come down to verse 11. He had seen all of those, and and Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes. He wanted to get business done. (laughs) No eating, no anything. We're not even sitting down in chairs. We're standing and we're waiting. And so they go and they bring in David. And then um, verse 12, so he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah. Now that's not Ramah the Bible school. As you see, it's not spelled the same. But anyway, (laughs) I had to throw in a little joke. If you know me, I always have to have a laugh. But anyway, um, we see how that out of all these boys, here's little David out in the field. Nobody even considers bringing him in. He's he's the kid. No one's thinking about him. He's just a little boy. He's not even developed yet. (laughs) But see, God looks at the heart. And that's what's important to God. He looks at your heart. He looks at my heart. And he says, that is what I want. That's who I want. And he draws us. And he calls us. And tells us to come. So, as a young boy, David had the Spirit of the Lord upon him. Now we're going to talk about David as a young man. And we're going to go to, um, we're going to start off with verses 17 and 18. Uh, To give a bit background to this, uh, since God had taken his uh, anointing off of Saul, then um, he would get, this spirit that would come and attack him and really cause him such uh, this evil spirit would come and bother him and so um, the servants were saying to him you know when this happens you should, you should have us look for somebody that can play an instrument well and come and play for you and it'll drive that evil spirit away. So Saul said to his servants, provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. 
Then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. So, I wanted you to see here that David, while he was out there tending the sheep, he would play and sing unto the Lord. He took the talent that God had given him and he practiced and he played and he sang. When nobody else was even around, he would play and sing unto the Lord. And then because he took time to develop that gift that God had given him, then it brought him before the king. It can bring you to high places. Some, sometimes you, you think, well, why am I doing this? I'm spending all this time. You don't know how God's going to use that gift and where it's going to bring you. Well, then, a little bit later, we, well, with this, they, they bring David to Saul, and so David plays for him. And uh, then um, I want the verse that talks about him going back to his father. Anyway, we'll get there. I've got two different scriptures here. Okay. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So he would be going back and forth, back and forth. Well, then, um, then Saul became at war with some of the Philistines. And David's three older brothers went off to war to be with Saul. And so Saul then um, had him there and Jesse was wondering, well, what's going on? What's happening? So he tells David, I want you to go and find out how your brothers are doing, what's going on. And so we find out that in this battle, we find a giant that comes and defies the children of Israel. And he is cussing at them and he's belittling them and saying, you bring somebody and the two of us will fight. Why should the whole armies fight? Bring somebody here. Well, then the armies of Israel would just run in panic. Who wanted to fight somebody that was nine or ten feet tall? And uh, so David happened to get there right about the time that this was happening and going on. He heard this giant. And uh, so uh, let's go ahead and read 17 
chapter 17, verses 25 and 26. So David had heard what they said, but so the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and it shall be that the man who kills him, the king, will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, and give his father's household exemption from taxes in Israel. Well, that's a pretty good deal, right? You're going to give him riches? Who wouldn't want this? Riches, the king's daughter, and no more taxes. <laughs> then, uh, uh, but nobody was willing to try. So, David spoke to the men who stood by, saying, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine? (laughs) It's like he's got to hear it again. (laughs) And takes away the reproach from Israel. Now, this is the the part I want you to see. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. Well, that that verse says an awful lot. It says that David knew his covenant with God. All of these people out there should have known their covenant with God as much as David. But here's young David coming out there, and he says, Who is this guy? that comes out here and, and that is defying the Israelites. Well, this, is, this guy is nobody. He has no covenant. He has no covenant with God. <laughs> so he had already proven God was faithful to his covenant when he had killed the lion and the bear, and he was confident God would help him kill the giant. He had developed his faith by putting into practice what God had promised for safety while he was taking care of the sheep. So you see, he was already living in the covenant. He knew his covenant rights, and he was already practicing his faith, doing it, starting with, to us, that would be a big thing, a a bear or a lion, you know. But evidently, you know, this is, a bear and a lion may not be as big as this giant out there. (laughs) And how many of us don't have some kind of giant out there? It looks very big. (laughs) And, you know, but you see, David always looked at God. So the giant, it didn't matter how big he was because his eyes were on God and his covenant with God. It didn't matter the size of that man out there or what he was saying. David wasn't intimidated by him. Why should he be intimidated? He knew his covenant. 
And we should know our covenant. Amen? Hebrews 8, 6. Let's just read what it says about our covenant. Now, who gave us a new covenant? Jesus. God through Jesus. Okay. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. Now David is able to go out and kill this giant with a covenant that wasn't even as good as ours. So are we able to destroy that giant that keeps coming and bothering us, that keeps showing its ugly face at us? And, uh, well, I think we have better promises. And if you want to know more about the covenant, just read that chapter of Hebrews 8. It tells you more about it. And I don't have time to teach on all that tonight. <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> but we should have the same confidence that David did. So we know that at first King Saul, he favored David, and he, but then he became jealous because people were giving him more honor. Well, what, what would happen if you and your whole army are, are running from this giant and here comes this little peep squeak and kills that giant? Well, of course, all the people are going to praise David. Well, then David ended up being in the military and they would send him out on all these uh, war things and he'd come back killing, you know, so many people or those that were with him. He was winning the battles, so everybody was praising David. Well, this made Saul jealous. <laughs> well, we find out that uh, David did get to marry um, Saul's daughter. And we find that in chapter 18. And um, well, let's before we go there, we're going to talk about uh, God was with David in First Samuel eighteen fourteen. It said that David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. So it says shows you that because the anointing was on David, God gave him wisdom. And David used that wisdom. But it was, the way he was used it was because he had this relationship with God. He built this relationship with God. And he would ask God what to do. And so God would, would give him this wisdom. So then in chapter 18, 28 to 30, we see that David marries um, Saul's daughter, Michael. And uh, 
there's a, a reason that I want to mention her. Thus Saul knew that the Lord was with David and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was still more afraid of David, so Saul became David's enemy continually. Then the princes of the Philistine went out to war. And so it was whenever they went out that David behaved more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so that his name became highly esteemed. If you listen to the wisdom of God, other people will recognize it. So, then David as a man. Now he's been around a while and he's becoming as a man. And we know that Saul just kept trying to kill David. And he knew the anointing of God was on David, but he was jealous and he'd keep trying to kill him. And he was afraid of David. But God kept protecting David. You wonder why sometimes you you think you're you're in the will of God and things keep happening. Why does all this stuff happen to me? Well, sometimes there's an enemy out there that just really hates you (laughs) and they're going to try to give you trouble. But God was with David and kept saving him. Hallelujah. So we're going to read a little story here. Samuel 24, 1 1 to 7. Because he is now this, um, he's a man now, and he's been running from Saul, been hiding from Saul. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. Can you imagine 3,000 coming after you? Now he, David had some men that were uh, running with him, but it wasn't 3,000. <laughs> and here Saul thought he needed 3,000. Anyway, so he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave. And Saul went in to attend to his needs. And David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterwards that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, 
seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. What a perfect place. You know, you have to really know and listen to God and respect positions of authority. Because here, I mean, all the guys, they're saying, God's giving him into your hand. Doesn't this look like God's bringing Saul right here? He's laying down and going to sleep right here in the cave. All you have to do is kill him and it's over with. But Saul, but David remembered that God at one time had anointed Saul and that he was king of the land. And so he respected that position even though Saul had turned ungodly. It's like, no, I'm not touching God's anointed. So then after Saul's death, we find that David becomes king. In 2 Samuel, the uh, second chapter, verse 1, we, we uh, see right after um, Saul had died. And by the way, David lamented and wept for Saul and Jonathan. And uh, then it happened after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. David said, Where shall I go up? And he said, To Hebron. So here, David knew he was anointed as the king, and now Saul was dead, but he didn't just assume that he should take that position that he should walk up in there say here I am God's anointed I'm the new king (laughs) no he stopped and he humbly asked God what do I do what do I do now should I go up and God says go up so first of all we find that he's anointed king over Judah but it was Later, after much fighting back and forth, that he actually became king of Israel. So it was a process. So here David was anointed as a young boy. And all these years later, he's now finally taking the position that God had given him, that he had told him about. So sometimes it takes a while to get where you're supposed to be going. <laughs> takes time to grow in the Lord. Then uh, we see that after he was king, then he um, brought the ark back to Jerusalem. And um, the Philistines had had it, and then they didn't have... Uh, So David was trying to get the 
ark back. Finally, they were getting it back. And chapter 6, verse 14. Then David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And David was wearing a linen ephah. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, remember, (laughs) looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. So here, David was dancing before the Lord. He was so happy. He was filled with joy. He was, you know, he didn't care what people thought. He was worshiping God with everything that he had. But Michael was upset. Here's the king, her husband, looking very undignified, (laughs) to her at least when he worshiped God. But David did not care because he was worshiping God with all of his heart. Verses 20 to 22. Then David returned to bless his household and Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all of his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord. And I will be even more undignified. (laughs) He's telling it like it is. (laughs) I will be even more undignified than this and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. (laughs) David wasn't going to even let the queen (laughs) keep him from worshiping God. It's like, no, I don't care what I look like. I'm worshiping God with all I have. (laughs) Then we find a little bit later that David sinned with Bathsheba and and had her husband killed. Now, this was a sad state after all of this good stuff that had happened. Here David commits this sin with Bathsheba and had her husband killed. And you'll read this story, 2 Samuel 11. So uh, Nathan the prophet told him of his sin in 2 Samuel 12. He, He came with a proverb. But then he said, go ahead and put up verse 13. After he told this, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord has also put away your sin, 
and you shall not die. Verse 14. However, because this deed you have done, this deed has given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also who is born to you shall surely die. See, God forgave David right away, but there was a price to pay, especially because here he was, the king, the leader of the nation. And he did this in secret. God says, I'm going to expose it to the whole nation. And uh, see, that's why we need to pray for our leaders and stuff because it's a very... God looks at the leaders and he judges them even more so than the person that maybe not everybody's looking at. But David was quick to repent. I want you to see this. He was quick to repent when he sinned. He did not make excuses or try and blame someone else. He owned his sin. He said, I was wrong. And he asked for God's forgiveness. So, throughout all of David's life, he always gave praise to God. And he wrote many of the Psalms that became part of our songbook for Israel. So we're going to read some of the Psalms. <coughs> Excuse me. We're going to start with Psalms 105 and verse 1. Psalm 105, verses 1 through 5. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his, na- in his holy name, let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength, seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Let me go to the rest of them. Psalm 106 verse 1 says, Praise the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Psalm 107, uh, verse 1 and 2 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Psalm 107, 8 and 9 says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies his longing soul and he fills the hungry soul with goodness. Can we read the last one? Psalm 107 verse 19 says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. 
I just want to recap the points that we went over here so that if you're taking notes or if you're just to put these keys in your mind, what made David a man after God's own heart? We know that the first one said that he would do whatever God asked him to do. And throughout his life, he developed a relationship with God as a young boy. He took the talent God had given him and developed it. He worshiped God by playing his harp and singing to God. He knew and believed the covenant God had with Israel. He developed his faith by putting into practice what God had promised for safety by killing a lion and a bear while taking care of his father's sheep. He didn't run the other way. He respected King Saul's position, even though Saul no longer served God because he knew Saul was God's anointed. <clears throat> He did not assume he knew what to do in a situation. He asked God for his direction. He worshiped God with all of his heart and did not care what people thought of him while he was doing it. He repented quickly when he sinned and did not make excuses or try to blame someone else. He was always thanking God for his mercy and goodness, even in the midst of trouble. This is how to become a person after God's own heart by following David's example. And it's never too late to start. 